Okay, tonight we come to message two. And the title of this message is The Formation of a Corporate Joshua to Possess the Good Land by Defeating the Satanic Forces. You know, the corporate Joshua here refers to the corporate warrior in Ephesians chapter 6, which Brother Bob will share at the latter part of this meeting. But we need to see that, you know, in uh, Old Testament typology, there are two different aspects to the land of Canaan. There's a positive aspect and there's a negative aspect. On the positive side, the land of Canaan refers to the all-inclusive Christ with his unsearchable riches, which is for us to possess and enjoy. On the negative side... It refers to the aerial part, the heavenly part of Satan's kingdom of darkness. Satan with his subordinate principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness are fighting against God's people from possessing Christ as their good land. Therefore, we need to realize that there is the need of the formation of a corporate Joshua a corporate army to fight against the satanic forces to bring all God's people into the all-inclusive Christ. Praise the Lord for this marvelous portion that we have received from God. So, you know, the subject of Joshua is Israel's occupying and possessing the good land for the carrying out of God's economy. And in the opening word of Joshua, we can see that Joshua was commissioned by God to bring God's people into the good land by way of warfare. We have such a marvelous, all-inclusive Christ, but we need to realize there's a fight, there's a battle for us to possess him. And you know, those who have been in the have been believers in the church life for some time, realize that no individual can fight this battle. This battle must be fought in the body. So in Ephesians 3.18, Paul says that you may be full of strength to apprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. In other words... For us to apprehend the unsearchably rich Christ, we need all the saints. We cannot pursue him, gain him, merely as individuals. Even our pursuing of Christ in his unsearchable riches must be in the body. And you know, since we're here as the uh, a blending conference of the 50 churches or so in Southern California... Uh, I'd like to just say even a particular word, that we may be in our localities laboring, right, with one another in a corporate way to lay hold of Christ, to bring all the saints to the experience of Christ, to labor in fruit-bearing, to add more to the body of Christ, to build up the body. Yet, our laboring may be somewhat in an individual way. With the 12 tribes of Israel, 
Each one of them was given an allotted portion of the good land as their inheritance. Yet, none of the twelve tribes were to possess their inheritance by themselves. God formed out of the twelve tribes one corporate army. And as a corporate army, they fought for one another's inheritance in the good land. So, I've been back in Southern California for about six years, and I realize it's easy for us to be in our localities laboring as an individual tribe. We're seeking to bring the saints into the experience of Christ. We're seeking after the increase for the Lord's testimony, and yet we may not see a lot of profit. We may not see a lot of blessing in our laboring. And I think that may be in part because we're lacking an army. We're laboring as individual local churches. But I think what the Lord is calling for these days is the formation of an army. Out of all the 50 churches here in Southern California, he desires to have one corporate army. That we would fight with one another to gain Christ as our all-inclusive good land. So the first thing is, we have to be clear, what are we fighting for? So Roman numeral 1 says, The good land, the land of Canaan, is a type of the all-inclusive Christ. The Christ who is all and in all and who is everything to us. In the Old Testament, there's many types concerning Christ. In Exodus, you have the Passover lamb, you have the manna, you have the smitten rock flowing with living water, you have the tabernacle with all of its furnishings, and Christ as the reality of all the offerings, full of wonderful types describing who Christ is to us. Yet we need to realize that Only the land of Canaan is a full type, the complete and ultimate type of Christ. The type of the good land shows that Christ is the all-inclusive one. You know, many of us are familiar with these verses from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 through 10. But I think for the sake of the new ones, we should, I'll read you these verses. For Jehovah your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of water brooks, of springs, and of fountains, flowing forth in valleys and in mountains, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees with oil and of honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. You will not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and from whose mountains you you can mine copper. And you shall eat and be satisfied. And you will bless Jehovah your God for the good land which he has given you. This shows us that the good land is unsearchably rich with the riches of Christ. You know, 
A poor land is a land where water is scarce. But in Christ as our good land, he is a land of water brooks, of springs, and of fountains. He's flowing forth in the valleys and in the mountains. When we believed in Christ, Christ was installed in our being as the fountain of life. And now he's gushing up out of our being into rivers of living water. He waters us. He quenches our thirst. Also, you have the wheat and the barley. You know, wheat typifies the incarnated and crucified Christ. And barley typifies the resurrected Christ. Oftentimes in my day, when I'm dealing with people, matters, and things, I realize I am short in my humanity. What I need to do is eat Christ as the wheat. He's fine, even, balanced, perfect, and complete in his humanity. And as we eat him, we can live out a Jesusly human life. And I also realize, Lord Jesus, I am the wrong person. (laughs) Only you are the right person. And so we can experience Christ in his sweet, fragrant, powerful death, which causes us to die to ourself and our natural life and to live together with Christ in resurrection. Christ is also a land of vines. You know, the vine typifies Christ as the sacrificing one who brings cheer to God and man. You know who the most happy people are? They're the sacrificing ones. Do you believe it? That's because they experience Christ as the vine, as the sacrificing one. And as a result, they are filled with Christ as the heavenly wine. And they bring cheer to God and to man. Christ is also the fig trees, which signifies Christ in his sweetness and his satisfaction as the life supply. Do you ever find yourself not satisfied, discontented? What do we need to do? We need to eat Christ as the fig tree. Enjoy his sweetness. Enjoy his life satisfying us. Christ is also the pomegranates, which signifies the abundance and the beauty of Christ's life. We also can experience Christ as the olive tree. You know, Christ was filled with the Spirit, with the oil as the Spirit inwardly, and he was clothed with the Spirit outwardly. Even he was anointed with the Spirit of exultant joy. So if you ever find that yourself, that you're kind of dry, what do we need to do? We need to come to the anointed one. We need to come to the one who is full of the oil. And he wets us with the oil and fills us with the spirit within. He clothes us with the spirit without. This is the kind of Christ we experience as the olive trees. He's also the animal life. In other words, Christ is full of the redeeming life. 
Oftentimes we sin and we find that we fall out of the fellowship of the divine life. But praise the Lord, when we confess our sins, God is faithful to cleanse us from every unrighteousness through the cleansing of the blood of Christ. Christ is the redeeming one, restores us back to our fellowship of life and brings us into the light that we can enjoy God as our life. Then Christ is also a land flowing with milk and honey, which testifies of his richness and his sweetness. He's also a land of stones and iron and copper, which is good for God's building, and it's good for our spiritual warfare. So we need to realize that Christ is everything. We can enjoy Christ as our bread of life without scarcity. Have you ever been in a Lord's table and... All the eyes were fixed on Christ, and the praises overflowed from the saints concerning the preciousness of Christ's person. And then after such a sweet time of enjoying Christ and his riches, our praises turned to the worship of the Father, in which we blessed the Father, God, for bringing us into such a good land. Those are wonderful Lord's tables, right? But all these things are the reality of the good land, and this is what we are here fighting to possess. Okay. So then B says, in Colossians, Paul employs a concept of the all-inclusive Christ, speaking of the allotted portion of the saints. In Colossians 1.12, it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you for a share of the allotted portion of the saints in the light. Each one of us has an allotted portion of Christ. We need to possess him. And then, you know, to each of the 12 tribes was given an allotted portion of the good land, and they received that, that portion by way of drawing lots. Therefore, there's this concept of the allotted portion of the saints. One says, this portion is the all-inclusive Christ for our enjoyment. The Greek word rendered portion can also be rendered lot, referring to an allotment of the inheritance as mentioned in Joshua 14.1. Three says the land of Canaan was everything to the children of Israel. And Christ, the reality of the type of the good land, is everything to us. So we need to firstly have a vision concerning the all-inclusive Christ. But we need to realize that This vision concerning the all-inclusive Christ was released more than 55 years ago. Yet we have to ask ourselves the question, how much have I entered into, in actuality, the reality of Christ as my good land? How much of my day is filled with laboring on Christ, laboring on him as my good land, 
to possess him and to enjoy him. But if we're honest with ourselves, we will realize that we have not entered in that much. And that's because there's a battle going on. The spiritual forces of evil do not want to see us enjoy the all-inclusive Christ. He knows that as we enjoy Christ, the body of Christ is built up. So he does everything in his power to frustrate us from enjoying Christ. So in Acts 26.18, we can see that Paul was fighting this battle. He said to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the authority of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among all those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So this shows us that there is a struggle that is going on behind the scene, frustrating us from possessing the all-inclusive Christ. People's minds are darkened by Christ, so Paul, in his gospel, was fighting the battle in the body to enlighten men's eyes that they could see the all-inclusive Christ. So Roman numeral 2 says, If we would possess the good land for the fulfillment of God's purpose, we must engage in warfare to defeat the satanic forces. A says, Satan, the enemy of God, has been doing his utmost to do what? To hinder the people of God from enjoying Christ as the all-inclusive one. He will do whatever he can to keep us from enjoying Christ as our good land. So in Colossians 2.8, Paul says, Beware that no one carries you off as spoil through his philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men according to the elements of the world, and not according to Christ. So let me ask you, what is the enemy endeavoring to carry us away from? From Christ. From our enjoyment of Christ. You know, one says, to this day, the evil forces are veiling the all-inclusive Christ from, people, from God's people. You know, when I got saved, I was 19 years old. I got saved off of a college campus here in Southern California. And <clears throat> I entered into the church life. And I discovered that Jesus was a real, living, lovable person who had come to live in my spirit. Amen. And I began to pursue after Christ with all the saints. And through the ministry, the word of God was burning in my heart. And my love for the Lord was growing day by day. This is normal, right? This should be all of our experience. But listen, Satan does not like that. So he used... He utilized and manipulated one of my chemistry professors 
to come with his philosophies with one thing in view, and that was to delude me of my prize in Christ, to carry me off as a captive away from Christ. And he was successful. I felt like I was pulled out of the rich enjoyment of Christ in my spirit down into the darkness and confusion in my mind. It was terrible. But praise the Lord, the brothers were fighting. They fought to recover me back to the all-inclusive Christ. But you know, this illustration shows you, even on an individual basis, Satan is always operating. He's always fighting to carry us off out of Christ as our all-inclusive good land. And so we cannot be ignorant of his devices. We need to fight for one another, to fight for our portion in Christ. So again, the evil forces are veiling the all-inclusiveness of Christ from God's people. So Satan can use many different things to veil men's eyes. And he can use many things to frustrate God's people from their enjoyment of Christ. Sometimes it's outward things. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel. They were preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ as the gospel. And there was a slave girl who was possessed by a demon, a spirit of python. And they were disturbing them to such an extent that Paul was so bothered that he cast the demon out of the slave girl. But then the owners of that slave became enraged and they had them whipped and thrown into prison. Well, did they win? On the one hand, it seemed like they were operating and were successful in disturbing Paul and announcing Christ. But it's so precious. It says that at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, singing psalms, singing songs of praise to the Lord. Amen. Even in the midst of that kind of satanic chaos, Paul and Silas were fighting the spiritual warfare. How did they fight it? They fought it by singing. They fought it by praising. So we need to be clear, first of all, what we are fighting for. We need to be clear that Satan is also fighting to distract us from Christ. And we need to be clear how to fight the spiritual warfare. It's through praising. Actually, tomorrow morning, we'll see how to fight the spiritual warfare. Okay, then you can see in Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2, And you, though dead in your offenses and sins, in which you once walked according to the age of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, of the spirit which is now operating in the sons of disobedience. So from this verse, we can see that... Satan not only operates outside, but he also operates within people. Actually, all the believers today are being controlled by the spirit of darkness. 
He controls how they live, what they do. And as a result, he blinds their minds that they could not see Christ. Then he also uses many other things to veil us. You know, Satan uses culture to veil us. How many of you feel that you are not, you don't have a problem with culture? Well, if you move to another country with an entirely different culture, and you stay away from people of your own culture, you will quickly realize how much culture you have. You know, I I lived in the Czech Republic, I lived in the UK, and immediately it comes up, why do they use these kind of power plugs? (laughs) You know, in the UK, have you ever seen one? They're huge. They've got two big prongs and another big prong. They have a fuse in the, in the plug. They have a fuse in the wall. They have a fuse in the wall. They're terrified of fire for good reason. But <clears throat> immediately, you begin to realize how much I live by my culture and not by Christ. <clears throat> we need to be freed from our culture because our culture directs the way that we live and the way that we act. Even here in Southern California, we can be veiled by our cultures. So many different cultures as a melting pot here in Southern California, but we need to be freed of our culture so that Christ will not be veiled to us. Then there's education with all of its philosophies. Even young people today in schools, they have it really hard because of all the evil, devilish philosophies being put into them at their youth. All these things become a frustration and a veil to their experience in Christ. And then Satan also uses religion. He uses religion with all of its forms and traditions to veil us from Christ. But even these are not the deepest. You know, the biggest frustration to us in experiencing Christ is our natural life. The land of Canaan was occupied by seven pagan tribes, and these pagan tribes signify the different aspects of our natural life. So the note there in Exodus 23, 23 says, the gods, idols of the pagan tribes with the demons behind them represent the spiritual forces of evil. Behind our natural life are the forces of evil who utilize, manipulate, and direct the aspects of our natural life to frustrate us from taking possession of the all-inclusive Christ and enjoying his riches. Oh Lord, save us from our natural life. Our natural life is fallen, sinful, devilish, and even demonic. You know, you'd say, well, how can my natural life be demonic? 
Well, have you ever seen the face of a person who's losing their temper? Don't they look like a demon? (laughs) So even at times, our natural life may seem quite good. We may spare the good things of our natural life. And in Matthew 16, we see a case where the Lord was revealing that he would die and on the third day be raised. But Peter took the Lord aside, rebuked him to his face, and said, God, be merciful to you, for this shall by no means happen to you. But immediately, the Lord's response is, he turned and he said, get behind me, Satan. That means Satan was hiding behind Peter's good intention, his good heart, his heart of love to frustrate Christ from accomplishing God's economy. And oftentimes, our goodness, quote, quote, our natural goodness frustrates us and it frustrates others from laying hold of and possessing Christ. So the children of Israel were forbidden to make any covenants with the tribes in the land of Canaan. To make a covenant with the tribes is to make a compromise. It's to compromise with our natural life. And we have to realize the more we do that, the more we're slowing down our growth in life. We cannot stand with them. We have to stand against our natural life and we have to stand with Christ in our spirit. So two says, there is an exceedingly real spiritual warfare in which we must engage. We must fight the battle to gain the all-inclusive Christ for the building up of the church as the body of Christ. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, it says, Finally, be empowered in the Lord and in the might of his strength. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the stratagems of the devil. For our wrestling is not against blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenlies. So B says, Christ is our good land, and God wants us to gain Christ. But there's a layer of devilish, demonic forces between us and the good land. If we would take possession of the good land for our enjoyment, we must defeat these satanic forces. We need to be today's Joshua and Caleb. Don't you sense that today the Lord is sounding a call? He wants us to be formed as a corporate army to fight against and defeat the satanic forces so that we can gain more of Christ for the building up of the body of Christ, for the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose. May we fight the battle in the body. May we be aggressive in our localities, aggressive among all the churches here in Southern California to lay hold of this all-inclusive Christ. 
God has given us the all-inclusive Christ as our inheritance for us to enjoy. And God's desire, as Brother Kurt pointed out and the outline stated, is just nothing else but that we would gain, possess, and enjoy this Christ to the uttermost, to the fullest extent. But as our brother pointed out, there is a resistance, there is a warfare going on in the universe with one intention, that is to prevent the people of God from possessing and enjoying this Christ, this unsearchably rich Christ. Uh, The warfare is going on. We encounter it uh, in our preaching of the gospel. As our brother mentioned, the God of this age is blinding the thoughts of the unbelievers so that they will not see, so that the gospel of the glory of Christ would not shine into them. This is a warfare that we encounter in the gospel. And the evil Satanic forces in the air are operating in the sons of disobedience. So we have to see, saints, and realize that there is a spiritual warfare in this universe. And that we need to fight against the enemy in a, as a corporate army. God wants to form us into an army to fight the spiritual warfare so that all the chosen people of God every one of them can possess and enjoy the all-inclusive Christ, including me, including all of us. God has given us a portion of Christ. He has allotted Christ to us for our enjoyment. Each one of us has an allotted portion. And God's unique desire, deep desire, is that we would enter into gain, possess, and enjoy this portion to the uttermost, to the fullest extent. There's a warfare going on, and we must fight this warfare. We cannot possess Christ. According to the picture in the Old Testament, the children of Israel had to fight in order to gain the good land. Uh, they They had no choice but to fight. It was an imperative thing for them, right? So it is the same with us. If we are going to gain and enjoy Christ to the uttermost, we must fight the battle. We must fight the battle every single day so that we may gain a little bit more of Christ day after day. We do sense that there is this warfare going on. All right, we go up to Roman numeral three. It says, without the book of Joshua, we cannot fully understand the spiritual warfare in Ephesians six, ten through 20. So in order to understand the warfare in Ephesians, we need the picture or the type of the children of Israel in the book of Joshua. In fact, the greatest type in the entire Old Testament is the history of the children of Israel. That history is a type of the church. As, which is composed of all the believers in Christ. This is clearly seen in 1 Corinthians 10, where, where it describes the experience of Israel and inter, interlaces it with the experience of all the believers, the church. So Israel is our type. And what happened to them is a picture of what we are involved in today as the church. 
especially in this matter of possessing the good land. Uh, in Joshua chapter 1, we have a formed army. The children of Israel, the nation of Israel, had been formed into an army. And they were there, uh, ready to go into the land by crossing the Jordan River and to take possession of that land. Uh, they were prepared and formed by God into a fighting army that would fight together, as Kurt pointed out, not just for each man to gain his portion, but for all the children of Israel to enter into their portion of the land. Well, this is why we are fighting in the body, so that all of us, each one of us, could gain Christ to the uttermost. So in, the, in Joshua chapter 1, we have Israel formed as an army. The good land is in front of them. All they need to do is enter into it, fight against the inhabitants of the land, and God was fighting with them. <laughs> it really didn't depend on them. They were just there to cooperate with God so that God would deal with the enemies and they would gain the victory through their God. And uh, in one of the messages uh, in uh, Kansas City, when they crossed the uh, children of Israel crossed the uh, Red Sea, the Song of Moses says, one of the lines in the Song of Moses said, Jehovah is a man of war. So our God is a man of war. He fights for his people. And he has fought for us and is still fighting for us. So here we have the children of Israel ready to enter into the good land. In Ephesians chapter 1, we have the Father having blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. In Christ. These spiritual blessings are uh, that God the Father chose us to be holy, and he predestinated us to be sons of God. And the Son, Christ, redeemed us, and he is now making us, constituting us to be an inheritance to God. And the Spirit is sealing us with the, all the elements of the triune God, and he is the pledge of our inheritance. So in Ephesians 1, we have all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. These spiritual blessings are the content of our rich spiritual inheritance which is just Christ himself who is the reality of the good land so here in Ephesians 1 we have the good land all the spiritual blessings but then in Joshua chapter 2 we have uh, another picture here that is the salvation of the harlot Rahab in addition to the gaining of the land which became the base for God to establish his kingdom on the earth. Before Israel took possession of the good land, the entire earth was inhabited by the, gen the pagans, those who worship idols. God did not have one inch of ground on this earth. So he needed his people to go in and possess that little piece of land right next to the Mediterranean Sea. That land is the land of Emmanuel. And that land is where the Lord will come back to set up his kingdom. So God needs the land to set up his kingdom. But he needs the people. He needs a people in addition to the land. And why does he need the people? Because he, needs, he needed in the Old Testament 
a genealogy for himself to come into the human race. God, in his move, in his economy, planned to become a man. He needed a a particular people that he could use so that he could enter into the human race. So God needed a people. These people were Israel, and he needed the land. That was the land of Canaan. Today, God needs a people. Who are those people? We are. We are the people that God needs. Not to bring Christ in his incarnation, but to bring Christ in his second coming. And Christ is our land. So we are the people and Christ is the land. Well, in in Joshua 2, we have the gaining of Rahab, who was a sinful woman, uh, good for nothing but to be destroyed along with the city of Jericho. But because she believed in God and turned to God and his people, she was saved. And this woman became an ancestor of Jesus Christ. A wonderful picture of God's salvation. Well, in Ephesians 2, what do we have? We have uh, all of us were dead in our offenses and sins. And we were walking in these offenses and sins according to the ruler of the authority of the air, which is Satan himself, according to the spirit that is now operating in the sons of disobedience. So here we are in this pitiful condition. Uh, But God is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. He made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up together with Christ and he seated us in the heavenlies in Christ. But now we have the heavenly position. We have the position to gain Christ as our good land. Well, this is a kind of a correspondence between Joshua and the book of Ephesians. But in Ephesians, we have the spiritual warfare. In Joshua, we have the physical warfare as a picture. Point A on the outline says, Israel's fighting against the inhabitants of the land portrays the invisible spiritual warfare that is taking place behind the visible scene on earth. So what we can see is a visible scene. But the Bible shows us that behind this visible scene is an invisible spiritual warfare. And this is typified by Israel's fighting against the inhabitants of the land. Here in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel was praying. He prayed for 21 days and and an angelic messenger came to him and told him that from the very first day, that he began to pray, his prayers were heard. But this messenger who was sent to Daniel was not able to get through to him for 21 days because this this messenger was resisted by the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Well, this opens up the veil for us to see that behind the physical scenes, there is a spiritual battle going on. Here, the angelic messenger was fighting against the kingdom, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And Michael, one of the princes, came to help him. So you see there's a struggle going on between these angelic beings. And then after he spoke to Daniel, he said afterward he would go to fight with the prince of Persia. And the prince of Javan, or Greece, was about to come. So we see behind the scenes an invisible spiritual battle. 
Point B says that there is a spiritual warfare in the invisible scene behind the visible scene means that in addition to war on earth, there is a war between God and Satan in the air. God and Satan are opposing each other. God has his will and his desire to carry out his economy. Satan has an opposing will to frustrate and resist God and prevent him from gaining what he desires. This is a spiritual war between God and Satan, and it's taking place in the air above the earth. So uh, this is borne out by the fact that in Ephesians 6, 12, uh, it says, we are not fighting blood and flesh, but we are fighting against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenlies. And the heavenlies here indicates the air above the earth. There's a battle going on. Uh, between God and Satan. Point C says Ephesians 2 indicates that in the heavenlies there are different layers. Number one, Christ is in the highest layer, the third heaven, to be our everything as our good land. Christ is our everything as our good land. Just as the good land was everything to the children of Israel, Christ is everything to us. Oh, all the spiritual blessings that have been given to us by God the Father are in the heavenlies in Christ. So this is the highest layer of the heavens, the heavenlies, which is the third heaven where Christ is. Then point two says there is a lower layer of the heavenlies, the air, where Satan as the ruler of the authority of the air is frustrating the people on earth from contacting God and receiving Christ. I don't know if you have ever had this experience? You wanted to spend some time with the Lord. You wanted to contact God and receive more of Christ. However, while you were in the process of doing that, there was a resistance. There was a battle going on uh, to prevent you from contacting God and receiving Christ. God wants men on the earth to contact him and to receive his Christ and to enjoy his Christ to the uttermost. But there's a, a layer above the earth where Satan, as the ruler of the authority of the air, is frustrating people on earth from contacting God and receiving Christ. This is typified by the Canaanites who were frustrating Israel from entering into the good land. Point D says, if we would take possession of Christ for our enjoyment... We must fight against and defeat the satanic forces in order to gain more of Christ for the building up of the body of Christ. We all have gained Christ to some extent, but we need to gain more of Christ. We all need more of Christ. God wants us to gain more of Christ day by day. And the result of our gaining more of Christ is the building up of the body of Christ. We gain Christ, not just for our own enjoyment and satisfaction, but we gain Christ for the building up of the body of Christ. The more Christ is wrought into us, the more we gain him inwardly, and he is constituted into our being as life, then the more the body of Christ is built up. So we need to gain Christ. But in order to do this, We have no choice but to fight the spiritual warfare because of what we have seen, right, of the fact 
that there is a layer above the earth of spiritual resistance against us. And our natural life within us is linked to that layer. So Satan uses even our natural life to frustrate us from taking possession of Christ in order for us to gain the victory and gain Christ as our God-allotted portion, we have to fight against this resistance. And we need to defeat the satanic forces so that we can gain Christ to build up the body of Christ. God's goal in his economy is the building up of the body of Christ. And this body of Christ is the one new man. And the new man will become the bride that will bring the Lord back to be the bridal army, with his bridal army, to take possession of the whole earth, to bring in God's kingdom to this earth. It's a great thing. The building up of the body of Christ is the greatest thing in God's economy. It is God's goal, and it must be our goal. But how can the body be built up? We must gain more of Christ. We must enjoy him, receive him, open our entire being to him, allow him to spread in us, to make his home in our hearts. Then, by this way, we gain Christ. Christ becomes everything to us. The the more we gain him, the more we enjoy him, the more he becomes to us, until he is actually everything to us. Okay, so now we go on to point number four. In order to possess the good land and defeat the satanic forces, we need to be formed into a corporate Joshua. We know that Joshua was one of the two overcomers uh, of the 12 spies who were sent in to the good land. Joshua and Caleb were the overcomers among them. The, The rest brought an evil report, but Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. Right? They spoke to the people. They said, let us go up at once and possess the land. For we are well able to overcome it. They said, don't rebel against Jehovah your God. And don't fear the people of the land. For they are bread for us. And God is with us. We have to have such a spirit. Right? We may see the forces that are there opposing. But we should not be weak in our faith. We should not have a heart of unbelief. God has given us this land. This land belongs to us. This Christ belongs to you and me. And God is with us. Actually, uh, the the land has not only been given to us, but all all the resistance has already been defeated. By the Lord. The Lord has given us his victory. So we have everything we need, right, to take possession of the all-inclusive Christ. But we have to do it in a corporate way. We need to become an army, uh, a corporate Joshua. So if we look at the experience of the children of Israel in the good land, I mean, as their history, first of all, they started in Egypt. Then in Egypt, they partook of the Passover, They were redeemed by the blood of the Passover lamb. And they ate the lamb. They took the lamb into them. This was their first experience in type or in figure of Christ. 
right? Christ is, our, is the Lamb, the redeeming Lamb, who redeems us from God's death judgment. And He is also the very one who enters into us to enable us to leave Egypt and walk out. So the children of Israel had this experience of the Passover. That was their first experience of Christ in type. Then they passed through the Red Sea. They actually made an exodus out of Egypt. So saints, every one of us need to have an exodus from the world. We need to walk out of this world. We need to cross the Red Sea. We need to cross the the line that divides us, the world, from the separated place that God wants to bring us into. This is the second experience they had. Then, once they were in the wilderness, they, they were supplied by a heavenly bread called manna. So if we are going to be formed into an army, we need to learn to eat manna. We need to learn to eat the heavenly Christ. And we need to eat him every day. Every day. Every day they went out and they gathered the manna. And that became their heavenly life supply. And they became a heavenly people. They were reconstituted with this manna. And they also drank the water from the cleft rock. So if we're going to be part of God's army, we need to eat Christ as our daily manna and drink the spirit Uh, who who is the water of life. But then they journeyed on. And at the mountain of Sinai, there they had another experience. There they received the revelation of God's dwelling place. And they built up the tabernacle. They built the tabernacle. And the ark was the center of the tabernacle. So we need to have this experience In order for us to become an army, we need the ark with the tabernacle. And the ark typifies Christ as the embodiment of God and the expression of God. And the tabernacle represents the church as the enlargement of Christ and the expression of Christ. So if we're going to become an army to fight the battle for God, we need to establish ourselves in the church life. We need to have the church as the enlargement of Christ, with Christ as the ark, as the center of our uh, church life. We need to be in the church life. We need to be built up. You know, the tabernacle was built of 48 boards. And those boards were joined together to be one building. We have to be joined Uh, by the divine nature, in the divine nature, which is the gold, to be God's building today. We need to be built up in the church life. We need to be built up as the body of Christ. Then we'll have the tabernacle with the ark as the center. But but then, in addition to that, the children of Israel experienced uh, the priesthood. There was the priesthood, a body of serving ones, They served, not as individuals, but as a corporate body of serving ones. And so, uh, you can see that the tabernacle with the ark was the center, and encamped around the tabernacle were the priests, the Levites, and Aaron and his family. So they were the first layer encamped around the tabernacle. 
and around them the 12 tribes were uh, located in a very orderly way. So this is a picture of the formation of the army, to f- the corporate Joshua to fight the battle for God. And this is the kind of experiences that we need to have. We need to experience Christ as our Passover. We need to cross over to leave Egypt. We need to eat Christ as the manna and drink the, the Spirit as the living water. We need to be built up together to be the tabernacle, to be the dwelling place of God on the earth and the expression of God in humanity. And we need to be the serving ones as the priests who are built up together as a priestly body serving the Lord. In addition to this, the uh, children of Israel experienced or enjoyed all the offerings. So as we saw in the last training, we need to learn to enjoy Christ as the offerings. Aren't you enjoying Christ these days as your offerings? Oh, I'm learning how every day to begin my day by saying, Lord, I take you as my burnt offering. I am not for God, but you are. I lay my hands on your head. Identify myself with you. Lord, make me your duplication. Make me your reproduction. Lord, and I need you as my meal offering. Lord, oh, I'm short of your humanity. Lord, feed me today. Oh, fill me with your human life. Make me Jesusly human. Then, Lord, I need you as my sin offering. Oh, I'm just sin. But you were made sin on my behalf. That I might become God's righteousness in you. And, Lord, you're my trespass offering. For all my sins, trespasses, wrongdoings, offenses, all kinds of things. You're my trespass offering, Lord. And what is the result of enjoying Christ as these offerings? We have Christ as the peace offering. We enjoy Christ in a peaceful way with God. So we need to learn to enjoy Christ as all the offerings. This is the formation of the army. Uh, The children of Israel as a corporate Joshua. By their experiences in the wilderness. When they came out of Egypt, they were certainly not an army that was qualified to enter into the good land. They had to pass through many experiences in the wilderness and be trained, be disciplined by God. They had many failures uh, while they were passing through this wilderness and they were eventually, in Joshua chapter 1, they were there, ready to enter the good land and take possession of it. So they were an army by that time because of all the things they they had experienced. And all this is a type for us. We need to experience the same things. Uh, okay, I think we're... Uh, I, I would just say a few things about the qualifications. You know, in order to be a part of the army in the Old Testament, um, the, a, 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 male, a male representing a stronger one uh, had, to be, had to have a certain standard of maturity. He had to reach 20 years old. If you were under 20 years old, you could not be a part of the army. So this shows that we need to grow in life. Saints, the most important thing we can do is to grow in life. We need to grow up in life. 
until we are have a certain standard of spiritual maturity, then we can fight the battle uh, as part of God, a part of the army. And then we need to be in the proper order. Uh, as the children of Israel were all encamped around the tabernacle in order, an order that was assigned by God, uh, they, were submit, they were submissive to the divine arrangement, and they kept their divinely arranged order. This is also must be our experience. We need to keep the order in the body. Then we also need to be fresh and young. You know, the ones who entered into the good land were not the generation that came out of Egypt. It was their children, the second generation, that entered the good land. So this shows that in order to enter the good land, we need to be fresh and young. Right? Our old man needs to fall in the wilderness. And the new man within us needs to grow up (laughs) and be qualified to enter into the good land. We need to be young and fresh. Uh, I would recommend a footnote to you. Note uh, Numbers 36, verse 13 and footnote 1 for you to read. Okay, point A. As the good land, Christ is ready. Christ is ready. (laughs) Ready to be taken and possessed by his believers. That's us. He is ready. God has done everything to give us this Christ. He has prepared Christ for us. and He's even defeated all the enemies. So Christ is ready to be taken and possessed by us. However, there is a need for those who are ready, those who are ready to take him, possess him, experience him, and enjoy him in his all-inclusiveness. Saints, we need to be those who are ready. God is ready. Christ is ready. But the question is, are we ready? We have to answer, yes, Lord, we are ready. We want to take Christ. We want to possess him, experience him, and enjoy him in his all-inclusiveness. We need to tell the Lord, Lord, by your mercy, I'm ready. I'm ready. You're ready. You've been ready for a long time. Now we need to be ready. You know, Brother Lee said something wonderful. He said, for us to rise up, to take Christ, possess him, experience him, and enjoy him in his all-inclusiveness is to do God a favor. We need to do God a favor. God has prepared Christ for us. The biggest favor we can do is to cooperate with him, to take possession of and experience and enjoy this Christ. You know, there's a parable in the New Testament, in the Gospels, it says a man prepared a great dinner. And he went out and he asked his servants to invite people to come in. Right. So, who was more needy? The man who prepared the dinner or the ones who were invited to it? Well, you have to say, the man who prepared the dinner was more needy. He needed a lot of guests to eat the dinner that he had prepared. Well, God needs us to rise up and take and possess Christ. We're doing him a big favor by coordinating and cooperating with him. God needs us to be one with him. Point number one says, Joshua 1.3 indicates that although God had given Israel the good land, Israel still needed to take the land. They had to take the land. God gave it to them, but they had to take it. Okay, 
And we go on from here. Point two, they needed to cooperate with God by rising up to fulfill God's commission to possess the land. By rising up. Saints, we need to rise up to fulfill God's commission to us, to possess the all-inclusive Christ. And it was wonderful that they did it in a very corporate way. You know, before they entered the land of Canaan, Reuben, the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had already taken their possession on the other side of the Jordan. But Moses charged them, you have to leave your wives and your livestock, you have to leave them there. You, who already have your possession, have to cross over with all the other people of Israel. And you have to fight on their behalf. Well, this shows that uh, for us to take possession of the God-promised land, this is a corporate matter. Uh, All God's people must rise up and fight for the land and for one another and gain and possess the land so that everyone will be able to enter into his particular portion. So there's a particular portion that we each have uh, of allotted to us by God the Father. We have to fight for one another that we all will fully gain our portion of Christ and will be in re- at rest. Point B says, Joshua led the children of Israel to enter the promised land and to take it, possess it, and enjoy it. Of course, Joshua here is a type of Christ who is leading us. Today, Christ is our Joshua. He's leading us into himself as the good land, so that we may take possession of him. Point one, in response, the response of Israel to Joshua implied their willingness. Lord, give us a willing heart. Their willingness, their readiness, and their being in one accord, not only with Joshua, but also with Jehovah, their God, as expressed by their blessing Joshua in the name of their God. So all the people, before they crossed the Jordan, they blessed Joshua in the name of their God. So they were one with Joshua because they blessed him. And they they blessed him in the name of God. So they were also one with God. So they they were in the one accord that they all were willing and they were ready to fight the battle to gain the good land. Point two says Israel had become a corporate Joshua. Chosen, called, redeemed, saved, trained, prepared and qualified by God. Ready to go on with God as one to take the land of Canaan. So they were fully prepared. They were fully prepared. Well, we believe that the Lord is in his recovery by taking us through so many experiences in our history is preparing or has prepared a corporate Joshua to take possession of Christ. We have to believe that in the recovery today, there is a corporate Joshua. And that corporate Joshua will fight the battle, not just to gain the land for themselves, but to fight for all the saints. The Lord is preparing such a Joshua, forming such an army, Point three, to gain the all-inclusive Christ, we need to be a corporate Joshua, fighting the battle, taking the land, and enjoying Christ as our inheritance. Point C says, after being formed, constituted, disciplined, trained, and qualified, God's people had come to the plains of Moab, where they were waiting to enter into the good land, to take it, 
and to possess it. So all the land takers, the takers of the land, they had to prepare themselves to move with God. You know, God was moving there in the wilderness. He was moving to carry out his economy. He needed his people to be one with him so that he could bring them into the God-promised land and have a people and a land where he could do something to fulfill his eternal purpose. And the, next, the step that God wanted to take, carry out through them was the incarnation. God wanted to become a man, but he couldn't not do that. He couldn't take that step unless he had a people and the land. So God's people had to cooperate with him and w- move with him in his move. And they, were, they should not look at themselves. You know, when, when we are preparing to fight the battle or we're entering into the battle, we should never look at ourselves. You know, we, if we do, we will feel that it is an impossible thing for us to p- take, gain, possess, and enjoy Christ to the full. Right? That means that we grow to maturity in the divine life. We have Christ wrought into us in full. Is this possible? Not with us. <laughs> but with God, it is possible. We should not look at ourselves, but we should join ourselves to God, who is, who is motivating the great wheel of his move on the earth. It is God who's moving, and we are just being one with him. He will do everything to defeat the enemies and enable us to take possession of Christ. We should not be afraid of the, of the enemies that we are fighting against. We have the Lord with us, and we are fighting in his victory. Number one says the formation of the children of Israel into an army to fight for God typifies the New Testament believers being built up into the organic body of Christ to fight for the carrying out of his economy. So we need to be built up, saints, in the organic body of Christ. This is typified by the formation of the children of Israel into a corporate army. Point two says God's army, a corporate Joshua was prepared and ready to take the good land under the blessing of God in his divine trinity and also under the blessing of Moses the man of God. In number six uh, after it um, speaks of the Nazarite vow uh, then Moses blesses the children of Israel uh, in number six twenty-two through 27 Uh, He says, uh, thus, Jehovah said, thus you shall bless the children of Israel. You shall say to them, Jehovah bless you and keep you. Jehovah make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Jehovah lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the children of Israel and I myself may bless them. Well, this was the the blessing of the divine trinity. The Father who blesses and keeps us. The Son whose face shines upon us and is gracious to us. And the Spirit who is God's lifted up countenance upon us. This is the blessing of the divine trinity. In the New Testament, we have 2 Corinthians 13, 14, where Paul uh, blessed the Corinthian believers with what? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is the blessing of the divine trinity. And the blessing of the divine trinity is the blessing of the trinity in his divine dispensing. His dispensing himself into us. Apart from God, everything in the universe is vanity of vanities. God himself is our blessing. God blesses us with himself. This is God himself dispensing himself into us uh, as a blessing to us. Just uh, as we are preparing to enter into the good land and take possession of it. So God bless them. Today in the Lord's recovery we are under the blessing of the triune God. We have to believe we are a blessed people. Oh, the curse has been removed. Saints, we all are blessed. We're blessed with the triune God dispensing himself into us day by day. Under this blessing, we can fight the spiritual warfare, defeat the enemy, and take possession of the all-inclusive Christ. So this is God's blessing to us. Well, in the Old Testament... God was able to bring the children of Israel into the good land. And they did fight the battle. Even though there were many failures on their part, uh, so that they were not that faithful to God, still he was faithful to them. And eventually he had a success in bringing them into the land of Canaan. And in, in bringing himself into the human race through incarnation. It is the same with us. Even though uh, we are not that cooperative with him, uh, he is the faithful God. And he will bring us into the enjoyment of the all-inclusive Christ. But today, he needs a formed corporate army who will fight the battle with him. Knowing, seeing the vision that the victory has already been won. We're not fighting for the victory. We're fighting in the victory. Christ has won the victory. He is our victory. We fight in him as the victorious one. We fight under God's full blessing. Okay, let's read Roman numeral 5 together, and then we'll finish this message. We all need to know what the recovery is, where the recovery is, and what kind of persons can take the recovery on. We all need to see that in the Lord's recovery today, we are on a battlefield. We should be today Joshua and Caleb, fighting against Satan's aerial forces, so that we can gain more of Christ for the building up of the body of Christ, setting up and spreading the kingdom of God, so that Christ can come back to inherit the earth. We see the goal of our fighting is nothing less than we would gain more of Christ to build up the body of Christ, setting up and spreading the kingdom of God so that Christ may return to inherit the whole earth and bring God's eternal economy to its consummation, which will be the new Jerusalem. Okay, saints, now we have some time for prophesying and the brothers will tell us what we should do.